Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie hanging out on a holiday Monday. Julian? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Uh, this is the first time in a long time I've gotten to sleep in until like 930. Mm. I mean, I, I, it's see, this is a it's a difficult time of year because I've been getting some 930s in, but I've also been like staying up writing till 1, 130 in the morning. So, uh, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a little tricky on the on the old body clock this time of year, but uh, we are definitely getting through it. And I'm glad you could get a few extra Z's because you've been working hard yourself. So uh, Z's to come this summer, but uh, hockey, at least in the immediate term here, as we roll through uh, into and, you know, into the, into the, into the midst of round two here, we are getting through it uh, and it's starting to get pretty, pretty fun. Uh, any plans for the long weekend here? Uh, we're, uh, uh, we're almost, we're almost fully through it now, but we got a double dip ourselves today. Uh, are you going to be able to squeeze in some me time? Yeah, I think I'm going to just hang out, play some video games, uh, take some walks, enjoy the beautiful weekend. Uh, like my, my, some of my family members were coming back in from, from vacations and I had to like pick mm. up my dad at the airport yesterday. We had a nice long conversation, just like us hanging out. Um, I got to take in a, a Laval Rocket AHL playoff game on Sunday. Uh, just keeping tabs on that, obviously, just in the glimpse of the in the in the viewpoint of the Montreal Canadiens as as the team that they are. You know, you have to always think about that when you cover these AHL games. But yeah, other than that, like just a lot of resting and and recuperating, man, and celebrating Victoria Day or whatever this holiday is supposed to be. I don't know. Yeah, let's not ask questions and uh, and we'll just take it. But it's been a lot of hockey for me this weekend. Haven't really had much me time because they are staggering the schedule which is awesome which is what everyone wanted and yet all i heard was complaints this weekend about how games were on late and things weren't overlapping so i don't really get it there's always something to complain about but if you yeah. want to be on espn you have to have games start at 10 30 sometimes that's just how it's got to be so uh I-, I would say enough with the complaining but i mean i don't have special powers to stop everybody from doing what they are want to do so People are going to complain regardless. That, exactly. That's what it, like, like people like with the playoff format, for example, people were, were clamoring like, oh man, you know, this division format's going to work out and people can play about division format. And then we're getting these actual pretty good matchups now, but people are still saying like, Hey man, we got to bring back one eight. I like the one eight, but I've been consistent at least on one and one eight, but like, I'm not going to go to the treetops and advocate for one eight. I'm just going to do podcasts like this and kind of subtly mention it here and there <laughs> every now and again. But yeah, people will complain about just about, anything right 
it, it, it's, just, it's just something we're just going to have to live with. Yeah, you know me, I'm low on the list of, hey, that's got to change. I mean, I think in a just world, it is one to eight, but I'm loving the matchups that we've had so far, and I'm loving the matchups that we're currently enjoying. And the Battle of Alberta, of course, is something that could happen because of the format. I guess it's possible that these two teams could have met regardless, but I think it would probably be Colorado and Edmonton right now, as opposed to St. Louis, uh, or as opposed to uh, Calgary and Edmonton. But uh, I wanted the Battle of Alberta, and we're getting it, and it's been quite, quite entertaining, but it's also been a little bit surprising to me. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers, after getting embarrassed in Game 1, are starting to outclass the Calgary Flames, or at least they did in Game 3, beating them 4-1, to one, Evander Kane with a natural hat trick. All seven assists that the Oilers registered in the game belonged to either Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. It was a pretty spectacular showing from the superstars with Edmonton and a pretty miserable showing all around from Calgary. Uh, our, I think we both, I mean, we both picked Calgary coming in with different degrees of did. confidence. Um, are you swaying off that? I mean, it's clearly, it would be easier to sway off that now that the flames are down in the series here, but it doesn't look like Calgary is that better team, at least uh the way that it's the way that it's played out so far through three games the Oilers look really good and maybe they deserve to be up in the series and perhaps they're going to win it yeah I'm very surprised I don't know if the series lead as it is for Edmonton is enough for me to say I changed my mind because Calgary could easily win game four and then we're back to a best of three and eventually a best of seven and that's all we really wanted from this series anyway but I think the Edmonton Oilers deserve some props because, I mean, Connor McDavid, best player in the world, having his best season. And I mean, we're going, we're thinking regular season. We're thinking of how he's played in the playoffs so far. This is the best version of Connor McDavid we have ever seen. And I don't think enough people are banging that drum. This is the best Connor McDavid we have ever seen because everything we've seen about him to this point, all the highlights, all the fun stuff we've seen from him, most of those are regular season highlights. Now we're seeing him throw up and play that dominant style that we all want him to see him play in games that genuinely matter. And if he puts himself in a position where he gets his team to win this series against the Calgary Flames, I mean, that is a huge, huge, huge asset for his legacy with the Edmonton Oilers as an NHL player and beyond. So Let's not lose sight in the fact that Connor McDavid, because of the points he's been able to accumulate, the way he's been able to score goals and set his players up, like this is something fans have wanted. Uh, but uh, again, like this is off of three games and it's entirely possible that Calgary could adjust and at least try to clamp down or try to contain Connor McDavid. And again, I think for, for a team like the Edmonton Oilers, you have to find a way to have some of the other players beat you. And to the Oilers' credit, you know, keeping on the ice with Evander Kane, we all know about all the off five stuff, but at least on the on ice stuff, he's at least played up to expectations. The natural hat trick for him, definitely helping the Oilers in the playoffs here. Leon Dreisaitl was clearly not healthy at a hundred percent, but he's, he's doing enough. He, he, he balled out against the Calgary mm -hmm. Flames the other night. Like it's the Edmonton Oilers look really good. And Mike Smith, we all thought they needed help at goaltending. The fact that he looks like the best goalie in this series right now is something we did not see coming. Like if, you, if you're Ken Holland right now, you are laughing because everyone thought, remember we, we've had conversations about the Oilers all year. Say, God, oh, they look like a desperate team, making desperate moves. Was Ken Holland thinking at the very least right now, they look like they're in the right, but people need to remember this. 
this is the Battle of Alberta, and I still expect this to go to seven games. And there's still a lot of time for Daryl Sutter and the Flames to adjust. Yeah, between uh, Evander Kane and Jay Woodcroft, it's been nothing but hits for Ken Holland, at least in what he's done in season. Of course, there's you know the worry about extending Evander Kane, but we're not we're not there yet. We're not we're not there. He's performing right now for this team and doing what you know, a very, a very simple thing that could really help Connor McDavid, which is to just finish the opportunities he has after McDavid puts it on a tee for him. That's basically all Evander Kane's done in the series and he's done it very, very well. And of course, what we've seen from Jay Woodcroft, I think is a obvious upgrade on what we saw earlier in the season from Dave Tippett. But I think you nailed it. This is what we're missing. This is what we have been missing. We've been missing Connor McDavid in big spots. All of a sudden he is playing in massive, massive hockey games and doing things that we have not really seen in our lifetimes, you and I at least. I mean, his 23 points in 10 games is more than anyone through the first 10 games other than two names that have done it three times combined, Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. So we're talking oh about my God. legendary, legendary stuff here from Connor McDavid to start, and it's only getting more dominant from his standpoint. And, uh, you know, it, it is a stark contrast, right? Because it needed, like, the, the Oilers needed something herculean to get over the los angeles kings and you're thinking like oh this is awesome it's awesome watching Connor mcdavid in these moments but the moment seems to be fleeting because it's like all it is is him trying to overcome another team by himself and of course as the competition gets more difficult and more difficult that's going to be more difficult for him to do but this series looks different than the previous series and i'm not really sure why is a confidence thing is this a matchup thing i'm not exactly sure but McDavid looks unstoppable. Evander Kane looks like the perfect person to play with him. Leon Dreisaitl has simplified his game because he's hurt. He's just getting the puck to McDavid as best he can, and it's working out beautifully. I mean, this is a little bit different than the Kings series, and I think it's part the Oilers, but it's also the Flames. I think the biggest thing that's happened in the series is Chris Tanev's ab absence. Like the Oilers, mm. Connor McDavid is too much for pretty much every single defenseman on the Calgary Flames right now. Like Noah Hannafin and Rasmus Anderson are getting a lot of play against McDavid, but they can't stop him. And Shillington and whoever he's playing with it, whether it's Gabranson or Stone, they're not stopping McDavid. And of course, the third pairing of Zadorov and Stone or Zadorov and Gabranson has no chance to hang with McDavid. So it's a matchup heaven right now for number 97, and he's taking best advantage of it. And normally the situation is, okay, McDavid's given you a lot. He's trying to overcome the other things that aren't working for the Oilers. But so far, with Mike Smith playing very, very well, aside from that game one, with all the other lines doing their part, Zach Hyman playing very, very well, Ryan Nugent Hopkins playing very well, and despite him not being on the score sheet, the defense holding up, they're not digging the hole that McDavid is trying to pull them out of. And now the difference that McDavid can have is basically shown on the scoreboard with him dominating the game in his shifts and not having to make up for what is lost when he's sitting on the bench. That's the, been the key for the Edmonton Oilers. And the key for the Calgary Flames, I think, is getting Chris Tanev back. Because I don't think they can defend McDavid in this series without their number one defenseman. Did you see that tweet from Harmon Dial uh, about uh, basically just lifting stats from uh, Natural Stat Trick about how good Chris Tanev has been against Connor McDavid? At like mm -hmm. over 252, at over like 252 minutes uh, time on ice. Uh, eight goals for 11 goals against. And I think McDavid only has like 1.9 goals per 60 
like a 51% shot attempt share, 45.8% expected goal share. Like 10 of, it's kind of weird to call him like a McDavid stopper because good luck stopping McDavid. Like he still got scored on. But like Tanev, at least through the advanced stats, they tell us that he would have made a difference on him in this series. And I, I think just the, the space, the fact that he's able to maneuver around players the way that he has, like once you're able to give Connor McDavid a full head of steam, good luck if you're any NHL defenseman trying to stop him. He's just been able to take advantage of that. Even in that first game where it looked as if, you know, the Flames were going to run away with it. The fact that Connor McDavid was still able to to take advantage of the game and get a four point night. He led all skaters in points after that game <laughs> one bonanza of goals that we saw. Like he's had an uncanny amount of room to maneuver through this series. And I get you can you can only contain guys like that, but you can't have Connor McDavid having four point nights in this series. You're going to eventually lose. Yeah, and that's pretty much been every night. He's basically getting everything he wants. And it's it, it's strange because like the Tanev thing is a major factor. Like I, I, I'm at the point now where it's, if Tanev's in, I can consider believing Calgary can win the game. But if he's not, I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to take advantage of it. And with his absence, and even with Dreisaitl being injured and kind of having to play with McDavid because maybe he can't skate to, to run his own line right now at the level that he needs to, it's kind of, you know, you stack the deck with, Dry, with uh, McDavid against a defensive core that can't handle him even on his worst night like it's kind of a it's an advantageous situation right now for the Oilers clearly you want Leon Dreisaitl at full full health but the stack deck approach to this series I think has worked out um, beautifully for the Oilers Um, from the Flames standpoint I am surprised that their top line can't really get it going or at least haven't for the last five periods or so because I think they have the same matchups too but they're seeing a lot of McDavid as well. And right now there is one powerful force or the most powerful force on the ice by a wide margin is number 97. And he's really dictating everything in this series. And the Oilers have gotten great contributions from other players. Hyman's been great. Evander Kane, of course, has been very good. 10 goals to lead the postseason. Uh, and, and really the contributions are across the board. But if Mike Smith is making the saves he needs to make, Uh, The matchups really do favor the Oilers, it seems. Uh, And now they have a chance to take a 3-1 stranglehold on home ice in a barn that is going to be absolutely electric once again. I am very surprised that the Flames are in the situation that they're in. But without Chris Tanev, you can kind of see why. But I also, I mean, the defense is one thing. And I've seen people be critical of defense for the Calgary Flames. And maybe they don't think it was as great as some people made it out to believe. But I still expected Jacob Markstrom to be the best goalie in this series. Jacob Barsham has not been the best goalie in this series. No. Even in that, go back to that first one game, that game one, he he was he allowed some really weird goals. I think he allowed some goals that were worse than what Mike Smith and and Miko Koskinen ended up going through in that game one. And he has not been the force we expected him to be. I think of all things, the Edmonton Oilers should have run into a wall of Jacob Barsham and Mike Smith at 40 years old should have looked like the weaker goaltender, but instead it's been Mike Smith who has turned back the clock and has put in some of the best performances he's possibly could possibly put in for his career. And Jacob Markstrom, who the Calgary flames put all that money to we've made that point either on the podcast or on zone time that, Oh, what if the Edmonton Oilers were that team that ponied up for Jacob Markstrom? They somehow look a little bit smarter, not making that choice right now. That I think is the biggest surprise of everything for me. Cause I still think, 
that th- that Flames top line, some of those other guys can still eventually hit the score sheet. I, I think that could still happen. But Jacob Markstrom, I can't think of too many games in this series or too many moments in this series where he's looked really good. Obviously, there's pressure on the Oilers to have success this season, right? And I think they dodged a bullet with the Kings, giving them all that they could handle. It seems like they can get through this series. And then I guess, you know, mission accomplished to a certain extent, getting to a conference finals with this group, with Connor McDavid. I mean, it takes a little bit of the pressure off everyone, but I still have a hard time seeing this group overcome a team like Colorado or St. Louis in the Mm -hmm. next round. Do, Do you have any, uh, I mean, I think I think you're probably with me on that, at least coming in. Do you do you have anything that makes you believe that, hey, the, the Oilers have not only gotten past like, uh, you know, a level or, or, or the first checkpoint that they haven't been able to get by, but they could actually take this all the way. Do you have any inkling that that's possible? Against Colorado or St. Louis, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, St. Louis, just the fact that they've been able to hang in in that series against uh, Colorado, and they're showing why they were the champions in 2019 and and some of that playoff medal that has served them through to the playoffs at this point. If they end up in a series against Edmonton or, or, or Calgary, however it might shake out, that could be really interesting. Colorado-Edmonton, uh, this friend of mine on, on TSN 690 made the point that with the way that the Oilers play, and the speed that they have going up against the speed that Colorado has, like that's one of the few teams that could keep up with Connor McDavid. And I can understand the point being made there. And I still think it would be a really fun series to watch. If we get Colorado Edmonton, we get the best possible team we could get in the Western conference with some of the dynamic players that they have with Kale McCarr and, and Nathan McKinnon at all compared to Connor McDavid and some of the other guys that he has on his team. Like we could be in for a very, very fun series. I mean, Colorado, they're able to play with fire. They're able to play with speed and, and seeing the two teams kind of go at it in with those contract with those comparative styles. We could be in for a really fun Western conference. But again, this is really early in the battle of Alberta and Calgary could easily get a momentum swing. Yeah, we're definitely getting ahead of ourselves, but Absolutely. I do if I'm looking forward, I have a hard time believing the Oilers could beat either team. Uh, I mean, St. Louis and Colorado both have the personnel to at least throw McDavid off his game a little bit, or at least make it not so it's one-way traffic as it's been at least through three games versus the Calgary Flames. I mean, there's really, really strong defensive players on each side. There's speed. There's guys like Devontae's who can be that Chris Tanev type that can make it not as simple for McDavid to just break them down as he's been doing. Um, so I think both of those teams would hold a pretty serious advantage over the Oilers, but this has been an important step regardless. If they get to the mm-hmm. Western Conference Finals, it's a massive success for this team because there was so much pressure. I mean, we talk, we've been talking about the pressure on the Maple Leafs for so long. There's pressure on the Oilers too. They had to have something good happen along the way, and I think Jay Woodcroft is the right coach. They've got the right mix in terms of bringing together a core uh, around Connor McDavid. There's some decisions they have to make, of course, Evander Kane and probably trying to improve that defensive core a little bit more but this is the step in the right direction that this team needed so so desperately and I think Connor McDavid needed so so desperately even if it doesn't work against the Flames if they go down in seven it's still um, you know we saw the meaningful games for McDavid he tasted it and they can go back to the drawing board and be better coming back next season.
Yeah, the expectations change. I think regardless of how this series ends up, the expectations change for the Edmonton Oilers after this year. The fact that they were able to get that round one win, the fact that they've looked as dominant as they've looked in the second round so far. Again, a lot of racetrack to be run, but I think the fact that they have this lead and McDavid has looked as good as he's looked and the supporting cast has looked as good as it's looked too. The Oilers going into next year, they need to maximize that and put the team in a position where they could truly compete for a Stanley Cup. I mean, I, I know as long as Colorado's there and they have to, there's some salary stuff they have to deal with later, but they are clearly still the class of that conference. But the Oilers have shown that they could eventually get to that point if they just make a few other tweaks here and there. They're they're close. The expectations for them next year, we could be seeing like Stanley Cup or bust in Edmonton next year. Yep. Uh, hopefully they make the right moves. Hopefully Ken Holland can continue what's been a decent run of form for him. And that's, I guess, maybe not saying so much because it hasn't been very positive uh in this time with Edmonton at least until the last couple months here um you mentioned expectations expectations changing the expectations shouldn't have changed with regard to the Tampa Bay Lightning um after a seven game squeaker over the Toronto Maple Leafs uh they have taken the Florida Panthers to the woodshed through three games they have a three nothing series lead they've done it without Braden Point they have shown Basically, these three games have been a demonstration on how to win playoff games in the National Hockey League. I mean, it hasn't been overwhelming from an offensive standpoint. It hasn't been Vasilevsky just completely robbing uh, the Panthers of any chance they can get. It's just been full team, dynamic, smart, two-way play, commitment to blocking shots, doing the things that you uh, don't necessarily want to do through 82 games. I mean, this has been really a clinic on how to win playoff games. And to think that the Lightning came in as an underdog versus the the Leafs and now an underdog versus the Florida Panthers. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning, despite being two-time defending champions of the Stanley Cup, were the moneymakers, it seems, this year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Do you have any reason to suggest that the Lightning won't just get an extended break here where they can fully commit themselves to the next two, three weeks and in pursuit of a third Stanley cup, or does Florida have a chance of getting back in this and maybe pushing them to six or seven games, or maybe even winning the series. I don't see anything in this Florida Panthers team that tells me that they're going to come back and win this series. I would be happy to be wrong, but I just don't see it Uh, after that game too. So you remember how that game two ended with that very late goal. I think Ross Colton scores it after that power play opportunity for the Florida Panthers. They put five guys out. It's as best as the power play had looked all postseason, but they still don't get a goal. And the Lightning kind of score that goal just to kind of put the dagger in. it. That was a game that the Panthers really needed to win. Like, that just made me think, man, the Lightning are just inevitable. This is a team that in the first round against the Toronto Maple Leafs, we were talking about how tired they looked and the run of, of going through consecutive Stanley Cup runs and the toll it could put on a team. And then they still edge out a win in a grueling series in a seven game series. So we're thinking, all right, man, like the Leafs took a lot out of them. The Florida Panthers kind of woke up the giant that they are like, this is, this is the lightning at their most dominant at this point, as far as we've seen. And I think with the way that the Panthers have just like that goal in game two, that loss, that loss, I think really hurt them. Cause I think they, they thought they could win that game and even the series and the fact that the Lightning were able to, to come away from, from Sunrise with two wins and then on the way home, I think that sucked a lot of life 
out of those Panthers. And I know Jonathan Huberto said, Hey, you know, it's three Oh, who cares? We can come back. I don't know, man. I, I understand when you have your back against the wall, you're at your most desperate moments. You do what you can to come back and you try to take it one game at a time. But the Tampa Bay lightning have shown throughout their cup run and they've shown throughout this particular run here, they have the killer instinct and they are capable of burying teams when they have the opportunity to do so. That's what so many of these other teams in the NHL lack. The Tampa, and I'm not sure how you you quantify it. There's no when you're looking through uh, free agents and players to add. There's no rating that says okay, killer instinct meter for GMs to pick up on. They just have it. They're just able to make that work. And you talk about having a break. If they find a way to sweep the Florida Panthers. If there's one team that could benefit from having days off in this year's Stanley Cup playoffs after getting the job done early, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that could use all the rest and recuperation that they could get if they want to make this a successful playoff run. I am stunned at how the Florida Panthers have not really put up much resistance, or at the very least they've tried, but like it's, it just hasn't worked. The Tampa Bay Lightning are just kind of cruising right now. The Panthers could still get a win, but... I have a hard time seeing the Tampa Bay Lightning blowing this series at this point. Yeah, it'd be, it would be almost impossible to fathom, uh, really, um, with the way the Tampa Bay Lightning are just so professional about how they go about it. And, you know, I think the, the physical toll, the taxing nature of the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think that it was something to consider, you know, from the very start. We've been talking about it a little bit, how how the Leafs might have to ask, make them ask questions of themselves early in that series uh, and so on and so forth. And I think in that game too, when Ross Colton or before Ross Colton scored that winner, which again is another example of how they're just so opportunistic, this team. I mean, they just, they just wait for their time and then they come through in their time. But prior to that goal, I mean, it was like a parade to the trainer's table, like block shot after block shot, all these guys sacrificing themselves in order to prevent Florida from getting back into that game. And you look at that and you look at all these guys so banged up and you're thinking, they can't do this again. Like, it's not possible to keep doing this and keep going on this way. And yet they get that goal late in that game after all that sacrifice that deflates Florida more than they could ever be deflated themselves by the, the exhaustion that might be seeping in. It gives them life. All of a sudden they're up three, nothing. They have a chance to close out at home. And that incentive of having maybe a week off to recuperate with only two more rounds to go on the path to a third straight Stanley cup. I mean, this is shaping up perfectly for them if they can get it done. And it is shocking how Florida hasn't answered the bell in these playoffs president's nope. trophy, 128 points. They were so, so good. They were stymied and flummoxed and, and they couldn't figure out a way to get through Washington, at least efficiently. They finally did. And now they have the same problem. Maybe the roadmap was set out for Tampa Bay to follow from the Washington Capitals, and they've used it to the best of their ability. I mean, Sasha Barkov has not been good. Jonathan Huberdeau has not been good. The, the, the important players for Florida have not stepped up, and everyone steps up for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that, that in itself is the difference in the series. Yeah, just pretty much since this first playoff series against Washington, something's felt off about the Florida Panthers. There's mm -hmm. something about how this team has gone about the playoffs where they didn't look as dominant as we thought they would look. I mean, it's natural for teams of whether you're a favorite or not to come across some adversity in the postseason. But I think a lot of people expected, myself included, expected them to kind of 
make cool, short work of the of the Capitals and they let them hang around. And considering how the Battle of Florida went the last time these two teams played in the playoffs, contrast to now, it's a stunning turn of events to see that they just have not been able to get anything to work. And at this point, if they do, it may come like a little too late, essentially, which would be a shame because the Florida Panthers put together the best possible team in their history. They went around for the first time since 1996, the year they were able to go to that final. And it can all come crashing. And then Andrew Burnett, the guy who had to uh, take over from, from Joe Quenville after he resigns uh, through, through controversial circumstances, and still is not only able to keep the ship afloat, but helps the be a President's Trophy winning team. And now he's up for Jack Adams. And now he doesn't, it doesn't seem as if he's got the right recipe for, mm-hmm. for trying to, to match up to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I can understand if the Lightning were able to edge out like a six or seven game series win over the Panthers and it's a tough grind the whole way. But the fact that look, we're doing this podcast on a holiday Monday, by the time people listen to this podcast, the Panthers might be done. This this is stunning for them. Like a a team getting, I mean, the Tampa Bay lightning all know all about getting swept as a president's trophy team, but this would be stunning for the Florida Panthers to, and I understand Tampa's as good as they are, but to not show any fight, in a series where I think a lot of people expected them to show fight, that'd be pretty shocking. Yeah, and clearly Carter Berhage's banged up. Uh, I wonder if he's not the only one. I mean, Eric Aaron Ekblad, too, is probably not 100% after rushing back from injury. But Sasha Barkov has looked very, very mediocre in this series. Uh, and he should be one of, if not the strongest force, honestly, with Braden Point out. Um, Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos are, are you know, they're, they're great players, but more offensive, taking their opportunities type of guys. Sasha Barkov mm-hmm. is a guy who at his best can completely dictate what happens uh, in a shift. And we haven't seen that from Barkov yet. We haven't seen the historical left-wing production from Jonathan Huberdeau. Sergei Bobrovsky has been clearly not as good as Andre Vasilevsky, not terrible, but not great. Like it just hasn't come together the way it did throughout the entire regular season when this team was never reduced to one or even zero goals. And they always seem to put up four or five. Uh, We just haven't seen that same type of offense uh, from them, even from the start of these playoffs, which just tells you that, you know, maybe they were a bit of a paper tiger uh, in some ways or a paper Panther, I guess, but uh, you know, (laughs) they don't, they don't seem to have, you know, the, the stuff that the lightning have shown over these last three years. I mean, no uh, one really does, but I don't, I still really does, think it's right. surprising that the Panthers just have folded like a deck of cards, like a house of cards, I guess it's, it's, and I get it. There's still a lot of series to be played. They have to take things one at a time. If you were to tell me that the lightning would have a three Oh stranglehold on the Panthers, I'd be like, what happened? Like th- yeah. this is, this is a surprising result. And what happened, I think, is something that they couldn't overcome, which was that Ross Colton goal. Clearly gave him a 2 nothing advantage, but losing twice on home ice and the way that they did, uh, tough to come back from. And they had an extra day to get ready for game three, uh, but they weren't any better, but that being the Florida Panthers. Uh, the Rangers were able to rebound, taking one back off the Carolina Hurricanes, who can't seem to win a road game. I think they're 6-4 and four in the playoffs so far, with all six of their wins coming in Raleigh and all their losses so far coming on the road. Uh, They don't need to win a road game to close out this series. It could be another seven game affair, which they take all their home dates 
Uh, I could see that happening, but I could also see Carolina getting it right at Madison Square Garden in game four. I, I, I don't have much of a read on this series. It's two teams that are very similar in that they do the same things very, very well. I just think Carolina is a little bit more talented, a little deeper, and eventually that's going to come through. But in terms of like intrigue, storyline in round two, Carolina, New York falling a little flat for me. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing some of the fireworks like Tony D'Angelo and Jerk Alant kind of going at each other. I guess yeah. that's sort of interesting. You're right. Like, I, I was a bit more surprised at how good defensively the Rangers were able to look at the start of this series and how they were trying Especially to take after away the after Pittsburgh. Front of the net. Yeah. Like, Pittsburgh carved them up, and now they've seemed to – they have it back on the rails against Carolina, clearly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If it wasn't for just Carolina finding finding a way through late, in game one of that series, this could easily be a 2-1 series for the New York Rangers. But uh, yeah, I think when you're having a lot of closely close defensive games and you're seeing a lot of these other series like the Battle of Alberta, Colorado and, and St. Louis going at each other, even the way the Lightning have, have been disposing of the Panthers has been more interesting than Carolina and the Rangers. And I think the only way the Rangers and Carolina could really kind of ramp things up is just, I guess, all the weird back and forth we've been seeing with again d'angelo and and drunk mm -hmm. and a few other max domi also getting involved as well yeah it but i'll say this with the rangers uh igor shesterkin doing well for, for game three to kind of help the rangers out here and get them a win in this series they need him obviously to step up and give themselves any chance at it. they could still tie this series this could go this could go the distance and we might still pay more attention to some of the other series going on uh but yeah the very a bit surprised at how closely similar these teams have actually proven to be at least from a defensive standpoint i was a bit surprised at that and auntie ronta has been everything that carolina could potentially uh ask for from a backup goaltender or a 1b in their situation but i wonder if freddie anderson gets into these playoffs sooner than later did take the trip to uh to new york uh there's no reason to put him in right now because ronta has played so well but uh i do wonder if freddie can add to the intrigue of this series um by uh by getting in at some point i don't know if that'll take a offensive outburst from the rangers in order for that to happen but uh we shall see if freddie can get into one of these one of these games uh last series going on right now it is to be played tonight game four so we will uh go a little easier on it but uh there is some intrigue from this one and some storyline and some drama as well with Colorado winning game three to take a 2-1 series advantage over the St. Louis Blues. They did lose Sam Girard for the rest of the playoffs after he broke his sternum on a hit, his sternum on a hit from Ivan Barbashev. And then Jordan That's Binnington rough. is also out, at least at least for the rest of the series, we believe, uh, after being run into by Nazem Kadri and Callie Rosen, Callie Rosen being his own defenseman uh, in a collision happening right in front of him with a loose puck. I have no problem with what Kadri did on that play um, because when there's a loose puck there, you go for it. You try to put it in. And I think uh, it was just a collision that happened and resulted in an injury for Bennington. He will not accept that, of course, throwing a water bottle at Kadri during a TNT interview, which is just another uh, example of Jordan Bennington being Jordan Bennington. But <sighs> this series, despite losing a key player in terms of the storyline in Bennington and a very important player, in Sam Girard is a very close one. And I wonder if the loss of Girard is more important than the loss of Bennington when looking at potentially the remaining four games of this series. It's a good question because in Sam Girard's place is likely Jack Johnson, a guy who hasn't played in the playoffs yeah. all to this point. 
Uh, and I know Avs fans know a lot about Jack Johnson, and he, he's, he might not be the greatest defense, but I think a lot of his teammates though will speak kind of highly of him. But you know, I'm sure they'll put him in a situation where he's not expected to be some kind of top pairing guy. They'll find a way to make it work with how the pairings are supposed to work out. Uh, but I still think the way the Colorado Avalanche play, they should still be able to get the job done against a team like St. Louis, who will now have to rely on Vili Husso. And it's not to say he's not a good goalie, uh, but I, I think losing losing a goalie who is actually playing really well compared to losing one of your defensemen, a really good defenseman, Sam Giron, like I, I think that kind of hurts a little bit more. I had no problem with the way that play went down with Kadri and Rosen and bumping into Bennington, those are the playoffs. These things kind of happen all the time. It's unfortunate that Bennington got hurt, but I think uh, for people thinking that Kadri kind of ran into him purposely, I don't think that's the case. I think he was even necessary. I don't even think he was necessarily trying to go into Bennington until Rosen bumped Kadri. And then for Jordan Bennington to throw that water bottle after the fact, I think that's classless. I think it's, it's just another sign of the fake tough guyness of that we've seen from Jordan Bennington. Let, let's be, let's call us, let's call it a space bait. You know, when he's throwing these hissy fits and, and pouting on the ice and, and acting as if he's going to match up against somebody, considering the history we've seen in this league with goalies going at it with each other, like Jordan Bennington isn't impressing anybody. I mean, that's how I see it. And maybe it's a little harsh or maybe it's it's coming for a guy's character. But I just look, we see it. I, I don't think it's that great. And then to to go at Nazem Kadri the way that he did throwing a water bottle, he's doing like an interview. Like you could, why not just wait till the interview's done? Talk to him, take him aside and be like, Hey dude, I didn't like what you did. Like that's, that's one, that's mature (laughs) Two, Like that's, that's, that's a better way of of going about it. You know, you could still be angry and still feel he might've done something. I I mean, I know Craig Berube seems to think that, you know, Kadri's reputation precedes him and, you know, it sucks that, that Kadri's suspension history does follow him that way but I see why people will, will throw that in his face. But like, just is your response to that is to just kind of throw a water bottle from whatever distance while a guy is clearly not paying attention to you doing an interview. I don't like that at all. Like if I was a player in the Colorado Avalanche room, I would not like that. Cause I just feel like my own player would be getting targeted needlessly. It would also just be you know, like, it's kind of soft. Like, like you don't feel to do that while he's able to look at you in the face. So you feel you could just do that when he's not paying attention to you. Like, I think that's pretty classless. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's classless. It's petulant. But the thing is, it's very childish. Petulant Jordan Bennington is the best goaltender that the St. Louis Blues have. I think when he is in this really strange world that he lives in, where he's waving sticks and throwing water bottles and having a hissy fit. And as you said, being a fake tough guy, Seems to be when he plays his best hockey. And so he is a loss for the St. Louis Blues, I think, in this series. Of course, Billy Husso took over the starters role for him in the regular season and showed that he can be a capable goaltender. But I feel more confident, if I'm a St. Louis Blues fan, in Bennington, if available, than Husso at this moment. So I, I do think it's a loss for St. Louis, but I think the Sam Girard loss is pretty big as well, despite the mm-hmm. fact it's probably Bowen Byram being promoted to the to the second unit to play with Josh Manson and Bowen Byram is an immense talent too. And sort of a similar player. I would worry about that, that bottom pairing, the Johnson and Johnson pairing, uh, maybe not the best shot for the Colorado avalanche, but uh, I think they've at least played together. They have played together. And I don't think the results are necessarily that great, but mm. I mean, 
that means maybe more Devontae's and Kale McCarr, which like it's been in Edmonton, more of a good thing usually leads to a good result. I don't know how sustainable that might be, but Sam Gerrard loss for the postseason is a huge blow to Colorado's chances of winning the Stanley cup in such an important season where they have to think about winning the Stanley cup because there might be a new power in the Western conference next year with so many different contracts that need to be signed and probably a pretty significant loss of talent in Colorado. Um, we could go over our picks a little bit here. Not don't have to do the standings, but I want to know if you feel a little bit differently about any of your selections in the first round. So you have the avalanche flames, Rangers, Panthers. I'm sure you feel different about the Panthers. Um, oh yeah. Do you still think you can squeak out a three and one here to the Rangers or flames going to come through for you? I, I I've given up on the Panthers pick. I think the Panthers are kind of, I'm ready to take the L on that, but I think in the confidence challenge, like I, I have been the least confident of all the teams I picked to win. So I'm willing to take the L on that. Cause I don't think it's going to affect me that much. The Rangers, I'm still going to hold out for the Rangers. I still think there's a chance they could make this a series. They still have what it takes to kind of get some games in. We're probably going to see some rough stuff uh, between those two guys. There's a quote that's actually starting to float around just as we were recording right now uh, from Ryan Reeves, where he's basically just saying like, Hey man, I'm going to go out there, do my thing, kind of rough some people up. So I, we're going to get some more physicality between those two guys. Here's a, here's a quote here. I'm going to go do my thing go run some people and get in their face, try and get the same result as last night. Another one. That's, that's what's going around today. Like this is, we are going to be in for, I think we're going to be in for more physical stuff. I think it's going to affect Carolina in some way. I'm ready to see that go to the distance. I'm not ready to give up on that yet. That's, 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 that's a, that's a pick that I know is not looking good. I still feel pretty confident. about. Yeah. Things are heating up for sure. in at least three of the four series, uh, the Rangers in Carolina might be the nastiest of them all. But with Colorado and St. Louis, with Bennington and Girard and broken sternums and thrown water bottles, uh, and of course the Battle of Alberta, we just had Milan Lucic lightly run a goaltender, which is you know a pretty big statement, even if it was pretty harmless in the end. You're still taking out a goaltender on purpose, and I'm sure there'll be something, although not many people step to Milan Lucic. But things in round two are getting very, very interesting outside of that Florida-Tampa Bay series. And for our confidence challenge, Carolina, New York is the big one. Carolina, my most confident pick. New York being worth four points on your side. That will swing things, even though everything's looking pretty good for me because I got Carolina, Colorado, except for Calgary, and I got Tampa Bay as well. So, uh, not to mention, not to mention our, our, our zone time bet. And not to mention rate. the zone time bet. Literally everything on the line here oh, the Carolina Hurricanes. Baby. I need them if to the win Rangers win that damn series. Point. If the Rangers win that damn series, I will buy my ticket to Toronto that night. (laughs) (laughs) For those who don't know, I have to watch one of the three high school musicals, I believe, and and maybe submit some sort of written report to Avery. (laughs) Uh, We'll see if if that's compulsory or not. Uh, We got time for tire pumps. Julian, do you have one in the holster? I have a tire pump, but it is not hockey related. Okay. I wanted to give my tire pump to Andrew Wiggins, who pulled off one of the most incredible dunks we have ever seen in the history of the NBA playoffs on Luka Doncic. And just to think, the NBA refereeing uh, crew of that game could have easily waved that off and said, hey, it's an offensive foul. But no, they? they 
they they initially were going to they reviewed it and they oh, okay. reversed the review and allowed the dunk to stand there is justice in this world justin cuthbert okay. there is in fact justice and now andrew wiggins a guy who was a number one overall pick in the draft and a lot of people were wondering about his ceiling lebron didn't want him when he went back to cleveland he got shipped to minnesota finds himself on a championship team, a championship caliber team in the Golden State Warriors, and now might have one of the most defining moments of this year's NBA playoffs with the facial he provides on Luka Doncic. I will give him a tire pump, even though it has nothing to do with anything we've spoken about for the last, like, what, 40 minutes on this podcast? I'll give it to him. Yeah, I mean, I I, I love it. I love the Andrew Wiggins sort of turnaround. I, I mean, I'm glad we can be proud of this guy. I was a little concerned that this guy was going to be kind of someone that we're not really – wanting to own for ourselves you know be yeah. proud and have ownership over this great player in the nba because he kind of lost his way in minnesota but clearly as a role player in golden state i mean he could be holding an nba championship within the next week or 10 days or so because golden state is uh, on the verge of going to the nba finals once again i'm going to give a small pump to mark giordano i mean he said at mm. his end of media availability that all he cared about was winning and that the leafs he believed could win. And then he goes ahead and signs a deal that might be worth like 20% of what he could have got on the, on the open market. Uh, if he was looking at a one-year deal somewhere else. So credit to him for staying true to his word, but I got to go with Connor McDavid. He, he deserves the full pump. I mean, this guy, as I mentioned before, only Gretzky and Lemieux have been, have had more productive 10 game stretches to begin a postseason. And as you and I mentioned, all we've been waiting for, is meaningful games for Connor McDavid. And this guy is rising to the occasion. This league has been missing and dying for this to happen. Connor McDavid playing big games and taking his game to another level. There is no question who the best player on the planet is, is Connor McDavid. And he's showing it right now when it matters the most. And that as a hockey fan, as a hockey media member, as a generalist, someone who just wants to see the right things for this league, this is the right thing for this league. Connor McDavid starring on the biggest stage when it matters most. Thank goodness we are finally yes. seeing it. Thank God. Because another year where Connor McDavid doesn't make a run, a significant dent of anything in the playoffs is a robbery to us all. And now that we're seeing him play on the highest stage possible, on the verge of not only winning a playoff series, but having bragging rights for an entire province. I, like the stakes for this for Connor McDavid are extremely high. And mm -hmm. I understand that'll translate to higher expectations for him and the team next year. But this is a landmark year. This is this is going to stand out as a massive year for how we look at Connor McDavid and his legacy going forward. The Oilers could be stepping into their competitive window right now. It might not happen this season, but getting to the third round would be a huge step in the right direction. And as we know, Colorado is not going to be the same team next year. Not going to be the same team the year after that when they have to sign Nathan McKinnon to another contract. Things could be opening up here for the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, which I think is a very important thing if you want to see those two players continue in that market and have the success that they should, uh, given that their partnership exists in one city uh, and they have that opportunity to play together. I hope that it does happen for their sake because uh, I want to see Connor McDavid you know, continue to try and, you know, beat records, be the, like, we're talking about him as in legacy. Like he can't solidify himself as one of the greatest players of all time. If he does nothing in the postseason. 
He'll just mm. be an immense talent that was wasted, right? We need to see this. We need to see this happening if we're going to talk about the legacy we should be talking about at the end of his career. And if this is the start of the playoff success this year, it would be awesome. I'll add to that too. It's not just that we need to see the team around him do well. He needs to do this because it's one thing to be like, man, this immense talent was just wasted in the playoffs and, and just kind of blame it on the teams that were built around him. You can use that to a certain extent, but how long until someone says, well, what about him? What was he able to do to elevate his team? And this particular postseason, the team as it was, I don't think a lot of, I mean, I think people picked them to beat the Los Angeles Kings. I'm not sure how much they were willing to give them against the Calgary Flames. If he finds a way to bypass those expectations, he's going to get a ton of, a ton of that credit because as long as he's been playing throughout this playoffs, the domination that he's shown, you could say that's him. And it's one thing, I know at the beginning of the series, we'd be like, it'd be fun to kind of watch him put the team on his back. He's sort of doing it. And it's amazing to see that is just as important as anything else for his legacy. You know, it's one thing to have the team built, but Connor McDavid himself needs to do everything he can to take his team to the promised land. He's doing his part. You can't say he's not. Yeah. I think what we're learning is that McDavid is the least we have to worry about if you're, if you're gauging the success and, 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 you know, projecting what might happen with the Edmonton Oilers, it seems very clear that he's going to do his part. His 23 points, more than any player like in like the last couple of years, there was that tweet from Jay fresh. Like he would have been leading multiple postseasons in points already through 23 games. And of course it Insane. usually takes about 23, 24 games to win a Stanley cup in an average year. So in less than half the games, McDavid is already up there with the best and most productive players that we've seen in recent postseasons. It's been an incredible start for McDavid and it's been a pretty fun show that we've had on this holiday Monday. Julian, we're oh, back yeah. later for zone time. I'll change my shirt just so it's not obvious. We'll have <laughs> a little wardrobe later. Uh, but you and I will talk a little bit later uh, with the zone time crew, and that'll be fun. But I'm glad that we got this in on a holiday Monday, and I'm glad that you're going to get a little time to enjoy the weather before we reconvene here. I, I will make no guarantees that I will change my attire for <laughs> zone time. I mean, I appreciate what you're trying to do here. I'm trying to enjoy my Monday. I may or may not change my sweater. I might wear a hat, but I might also might not. I'm not really sure how today's uh, Zone Time show is going to go because we're going to have to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. And I know we were very complimentary about them. Uh, I wonder how that's going to extend when we bring in Sam and we bring in Omar as well and the rest of the playoff picture and some other fun stuff. We got to figure all that out. Yeah, well, uh, we might have to come with some new takes since we've uh, unloaded quite a few of them here. Uh, and I don't blame you for not changing. I mean, People know how the sausage is made. Uh, it is what it is. Get to your holiday Monday, buddy. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.